Well, hey there, this is Tyler Benke with the Educating All Learners Alliance. And today I am joined by Devin Vadichka of Learner Centered Collaborative. Hey, Devin, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So I wondered if you could start us off with just introducing yourself and your role at Learner Centered. Yeah. So my name is Devin Vadichka. I'm the CEO of Learner Centered Collaborative. We're a national nonprofit and we partner with educators to define whole learner outcomes co-design meaningful learning experiences, and create the enabling conditions for the shift to learner-centered education. Mm. That's a great phrase. I want to know more about it. What is learner-centered education? Why do we need learner-centered education? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say to start, we have to think about the type of educational experience most of us have experienced, which is really an industrial model of teaching and learning Mm that was rooted in this concept of organizational efficiencies, schools being designed for mass production, like factories, Mm -hmm. and students essentially moving through that factory experience almost as if they're on an assembly line. Sure. You know, receiving specialized treatment from workers who were organized to be very efficient. Mm -hmm. That's what most of us have experienced, but that was designed for a different era. Mm -hmm. And we've learned a lot about psychology and sociology and neuroscience and what motivates us and what actually translates to meaningful development. Mm -hmm. And what we know now is that we need to take a human-centered or learner-centered approach to teaching and learning and to our educational systems. And for us, that's about cultivating a sense of of self. Mm -hmm. So knowing yourself, thriving in community, actively engaging in the world as your best self, that's at the essence of learner-centered education. It sounds like centering on oneself is centering on the learner. I guess there's a learner in, in all of us, whether we're teachers or students or whatnot. That's right. I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, I, we used to use the term student-centered, or I used to use the term student-centered. And I think at a certain point, we realized that all of us are learners. Mm. The teachers, the administrators, anyone who's involved in education should be oriented to learning. And so that's why we use the term learner-centered as the core of what we're trying to do is center on each of us as individuals and make sure that we're really thinking about how we can have that sense of self and engagement in community. You mentioned this aspect of getting to know oneself and centering in that regard. Mm -hmm. What would you say are the enabling conditions that are needed to shift education as a whole to a more learner-centered model? Yeah. Well, I think the thing that really had a transformative effect for me was actually listening to students. (laughs) And it sounds silly, but when I was a superintendent, I, I did a set of experiences to get input on what was working and what needed to change in the community. And I talked to teachers and I talked to the PTA and I talked to the Chamber of Commerce and I was getting a lot of great input. And then I started doing these forums with students and asking them questions what was working for them in terms of their school experience and what would they change and what would they like to see in the future. And it was really a heartbreaking experience because what I heard over and over from students was that they love to learn, but that they didn't feel like that's what they were doing in school. They felt like in school, wow, yeah. it was happening to them as opposed to them being part of the process. And I ended up doing about 60 of these forums over the course of six months. And it really just changed the way that I think about education and what's possible. And from that moment on, we engaged students 
as co-designers, co-creators of their educational learning experiences. And we just saw amazing things happening. So the first step in that enabling condition question is really to stop, slow down, and listen to students and actively engage them as co-designers. Once you've done that, there's a whole host of considerations that become apparent. And we have identified some enabling conditions around culture, coherence, and connectedness. And each of those have elements like relational trust or policies that need to be reconsidered, resource allocation, professional learning needs to be reimagined. So there's a whole system that needs to change, but it should be driven by the co-design, co-construction of students. I'm sure for a lot of listeners and, you know, honestly, myself included, that hearing a phrase like having the student co-design their own education is, if not strange, foreign. (laughs) And I'd love to hear more about what that looks like. What are you seeing in your work that's giving you all this optimism for the future of education? Yeah. Well, one thing is students generally want to be the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. They want to be successful and they know that they need help in that process. So I, I think sometimes people have this anxiety that if you really engage learners as co-designers, you're going to end up with something that is less rigorous or less demanding. And instead, what we've seen is students challenge themselves even more hmm. than they have historically. And then they know they need support from their peers and from their teachers and from the community. Uh, so it often leads to higher levels of authentic learning, more connectedness uh, and relevance in the learning experiences, orientation to a new set of outcomes, more whole learner competencies, also higher levels of personalization, students moving at their own rate where it's possible. And students really want to be in inclusive communities and they want to be a part of building those communities. So we see a drive from students for personalization, high levels of achievement on these whole learner competencies, more authentic learning, and more community-based activities. Wow, yeah. I'm curious how that learner-centered education work can support students with learning differences or Mm -hmm. disabilities. Yeah. Well, one of the things, there's a quote, I can't remember who said it, but, you know, we're we're all unique and different, and that's part of what makes us the same. (laughs) Every learner, whether they have an identified, you know, if they have an IEP or don't have an IEP, we're all unique. We have jagged profiles. We have different strengths, different interests, different values. And when you take a learner-centered approach, you want to see those differences as beneficial. Hmm. And in the standardization model of the industrial era of education, differences are seen as defects. So a learner-centered approach takes the opposite mindset and says these differences are assets Hmm. that we want to build on. And that is true for all learners, regardless of their uniqueness, whether cultural learning differences, et cetera. Sure. And that reframe really just shifts what's possible for every student. So we see higher levels of engagement, persistence, and achievement for students that have identified differences and those that don't when you really embrace this learner-centered type of experience. Yeah, it's almost as if the, you know, in the more industrial education machine, Mm -hmm. these differences are to be ignored, Mm -hmm. overcome, or what have you. Whereas what you're describing sounds more like 
treating these differences as inherent to the individual and inherent to the learning process. Yes, yes. And the language we've used historically, you know, these students are disabled. This is a student who's limited English proficient. Sure. It, it tends to reflect a bit of a deficit mindset, which is really dispiriting for the learners. So when you take a learner-centered approach and you see differences as beneficial, you take an asset framing perspective, it just changes the sense of self, the sense of what's possible. And again, we see a lot of improvements in terms of engagement, persistence, and achievement by recognizing, honoring, and celebrating the diversity that we each bring to a learning community. That's great. That uh, rings true for the work that ELA is doing, you know, the Educating All Learners Alliance. And, mm -hmm. you know, we really find that the more people are at the table, the more rich and exciting the learning environment becomes. That's right. That's right. Could you tell us a little bit about the ELA school study tour experience? Oh. We hear that you connected the ELA team to schools in the San Diego area to act as host schools on these tours. How did you know which schools would be a good fit for these school study tours? Yeah, well, I live in Oceanside, which is North County, San Diego, and most of my school leadership experience comes from my work with school districts in North County, specifically Carlsbad Unified School District, Vista Unified School District, Vista where I was superintendent, and in Carlsbad I had a lot of different roles. But it was a real privilege to connect with the ELA study tour and to open up a few schools that I've been connected with and that I'm really proud of. One, Calavera Hills Middle School. I was the founding principal more than two decades ago, and it's just a phenomenal learning environment. Another, Casita Center, which is an IB STEM school in Vista. Also just really phenomenal experiential learning, global mindset and orientation. And so having personal experience with these schools gave me high level of confidence sure. <laughs> that uh, these would be just great hosts that are really open and transparent, vulnerable as well in terms of what's not working. Yeah, I heard that the study tour was a big success, so was happy to be a small part of helping to get that organized. Well, yeah, it was a fun event. Why do you think these school study tours and similar events are so impactful for educators? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's the old, like, seeing is believing adage. Sure. And when we go back to that factory model of teaching and learning, most educational roles are designed to be done as an individual. You know, we have self-contained classrooms. We have a building principal who's by themselves. And most of our systems and structures were not really designed for meaningful collaboration. And what that means is you often have a teacher who hasn't seen teaching and learning down the hall, hmm. or you have a principal who hasn't seen teaching and learning down the street, or even more rare is to see learning environments in different contexts. Hmm. And yet there's so much that we can learn from one another through those experiences. And so I'm a huge believer that visiting schools is one of the most profound forms of professional development. Hmm. I'm so much of a fan of it that we just launched this week a new program, Connections, which will organize teams from schools into micro networks to go visit one another. Hmm. Because we think that if we really want to share what's working and accelerate the rate of change that we know is possible in schools, we have to do that together. And immersing ourselves in other contexts is going to be a way to inspire a sense of what's possible. So 
Anytime that an educator has a chance to go out and see other schools, I'm a big advocate for that experience. It's funny, we started our conversation talking about how, uh, you know, it isn't just students who are learners, but it, it's funny to explicitly say, you know, it, it's, it's teachers who are learners too. And by getting that breadth of experience and seeing how the craft of teaching is done elsewhere, yes, the teachers are participating in their own learning. Yes. And all the better to teach the learners that are in their classrooms every day. That's right. The co-founder of Learner Centered Collaborative, Katie Martin, has a saying, which is teachers create what they experience. Hmm. So part of what we try to do in the world is create learner-centered experiences for educators so that they can create them for their students. Wow, yeah. So we've also just recently launched some digital courses to try to open up learning communities for educators. Yeah, there, there's so much that is possible once we activate that sense of self and that engagement in community for the teachers as well as for the students. And one thing I'll say that's I've seen in my experience is once you really activate learner agency and you, you involve them as co-designers and co-creators, you have to do the same for teachers and you have to do the same for principals and you have to shift your district structures because you can't continue to hold on to these kind of centralized, standardized systems and structures and at the same time empower what is unique and you know creative about each and every one of us as individuals. And it has to be, again, for all of us as learners, not just for the students. Well, yeah, I can tell you, Ela's enjoyed partnering with Learner Centered Collaborative and appreciate your vision. Thank you. It's mutual. We, we, we feel the same. Well, thank you so much, Devin, for talking with me today. If you want to learn more about Devin and his work with Learner Centered Collaborative, you can visit learnercentered.org. Thank you so much, Devin. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. Thanks a lot. <laughs>